Hi, welcome to this fresh teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David Varney. I'm the pastor of Foundation Church. And in this video, I want to help you to turn your troubles into triumph. There are so many troubles going on at the moment in the world and no doubt in your own circumstance as well. And so we're going to lean on Psalm chapter 3 or Psalm 3 from the Bible. We're going to read that together and then we're going to uh, allow it to show us how to turn our troubles into triumph. First of all, let me read to you from Psalm 3. Uh, you can see the link to that uh, either in your video, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, or below in the notes if you're on Facebook or on our podcast. So here is Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. How to turn your troubles into triumph. Well, if that's you and uh, you have many troubles, and let's face it, who doesn't uh, in this current climate that we're in, then first of all, the psalm shows us that we should present our problems to God. Present, number one. Um, and, and when we do this, what we're hoping to do is to use our troubles in a way that is not destructive, but constructive, that, that, that builds us. And so Psalm 3 gives us a way um, to turn our troubles into triumph, to, to actually do this, to, to go through the process that we're going to look at today and do this. And first of all, we present the issues before God. Uh, the background in this psalm, it's unusual actually, because we're given a bit of context uh, at the beginning of the psalm, most psalms we don't know the context of what's going on, but here it tells us that this is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Uh, David was the great king of Israel, the golden boy. Uh, it said the, he was the man after God's own heart, um, and he established a, a wonderful kingdom. He was a great leader, uh, but one of his sons um, ended up leading a revolt against his dad David. Um, and that son's name was Absalom. And so after many months or years of this sort of conspiracy against David building up, David the king uh, and a, a small but loyal band of followers left the throne, left Jerusalem to go and seek refuge uh, out in the wilderness from his own son Absalom, who had gathered uh, a small militia to you know, um, take out the king and install himself as Israel's new king. And, and you can read the backstory to this in 2 Samuel chapter 15. It says that David and his little uh, band of friends left Jerusalem. And it says that they went into the wilderness and crossed the, the Kidron Valley just outside of Jerusalem. And David, it says, uh, 2 Samuel 15, ascended the Mount of Olives, um, weeping. It said he was weeping. He was crying out to God. 
because David, for David, many of his old time friends became his enemies. Uh, his own son became a rebel. His own people, the people of Israel, um, progressively rejected David's leadership, his kingship, because of the manipulation of Absalom. And so we see in verse 1 of this psalm, Psalm 3, David has trouble from pretty much every angle that you can think of. Um, oh Lord, he says, how many are my foes? How many enemies everywhere. Um, many are rising up against me. You know, there's a physical threat against his life. Um, this this group of, of militia are after David and his men. Um, but not only the physical threat, there's a spiritual threat as well. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Uh, they're, they're trying to um, add insult to injury, if you like. They're trying to attack him. They not just want him dead physically, but they want him damned in the eyes of God as well. So both his body and his soul are under immense pressure and trouble. And so what do we see David doing in Psalm chapter 3 with that in mind? He presents his troubles to God. And so what, that's what we get in Psalm 3. It's a, it's a, it's a pattern, it's a prayer. Um, it was adopted by, into the, the, the worship songbook of Israel to become a pattern or a prayer for all of God's people who face similar issues. And, and so we'll read through Psalm, two, sorry, Psalm 3 and we'll figure it out together. Um, but it's something for us to do, actually. It's something for us to, to take on board and start doing ourselves today as we seek to process our troubles and our hardships. So do it. The first thing we do is present our um, our troubles before God, just like David does here. Don't bury your troubles um, by not mentioning them to God. Uh, don't, don't try and cope with them on your own or find other ways to deal with them. Uh, don't even think that God is somehow disinterested or tired of you and listening to you and your complaints or he's got better things to do or more holy people to look after. That's not God. That's not our God. Instead, David encourages us, speak it out. Speak out your troubles. Make a list if you want to. Uh, one of David's later um, great, 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 great grandsons, another king by the name of Hezekiah, he literally brings a piece of paper, a scroll, uh, with all of the troubles on it, um, and he presents it before God. He opens it up before God, and he says, God, look at this, read this, see how bad things are. I present this to you. Whatever it is for you, um, pour it all out before God. You might find it helpful to actually take a pen to paper and write a list, bullet points, spider diagram, whatever way it is um, for you to uh, document your troubles and bring them before God. And, and that way you'll know you've left nothing out at all. But just so you know, it doesn't have to be pretty. Um, it doesn't have to be well-formed prayers and beautiful English and beautiful prose. You might want to write it out, you might not. You might just want to cry it out from your heart. Either way, present your troubles to God. Uh, I, I find it helps to, to find a place of solitude, either when there's no one else around or maybe you need to hop in the car and drive someplace where there's no one around. That You can just be free, just talk to God on your own. Maybe it's the time when everybody else in the house is asleep. 
Maybe you need to lock yourself in your room for a, uh, some time just where you can speak to God and know that no one else except him is listening. Whatever way it is, David climbed up the top of a mountain to be with God, to cry out. So what sort of things might you say as you present your troubles to God? You might say something like this, and this is just a, an example, really. You might say, God, I have so many challenges on my plate just now. I am so stressed. There is so much going on in my life. I just can't cope. You might say something like, God, ev- everything is going wrong just now. The exams are off. I- I- I'm struggling with my health. I don't know if I'm going to pull through this or not. God, I'm isolating and I feel completely alone. I feel rubbish. God, my fears are increasing and I don't know what I can do about that. God, my, my work is manic. I just can't cope. God, I feel utterly depressed. I am so low. God, I, I can't sleep. God, I'm so anxious. I can't find peace. God, I have no money. I can't pay my bills. First of all, to turn your troubles into triumph, present your troubles to God. So the second thing we do in order to turn our troubles into triumph, after we've presented our troubles to God, we confess truth about God. We confess, we speak the truth. We remind ourselves of what is true. Um, It's simply confession just simply means speaking out. And it means speaking, in this context, speaking out what you already know about God. Just just so you know, you don't have to feel it first in order to speak it out. You have to confess what you know to be true. Look down at verse 3 in Psalm chapter 3, Psalm 3. David says, he's just been presenting his many problems to God. And then he says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. David feels the weight of his troubles, but then he, he, he confesses what he knows to be true about God. He says, you are a shield um, that would have come pretty uh, quickly to David's mind because, as, as we've been thinking, he and his little band of, of loyal followers have left Jerusalem uh, and they would have been armed. You know, they would have had their, their weaponry with them, prepared to do battle, ready to defend themselves. And surely uh, many of them would have been carrying a shield. And it's obvious to David that this sort of uh, reminds him of what God is like. You are a shield around me. You protect me. Just like a shield protects from flying arrows or the, the slashing of a sword in battle. In God, I am protected. I am safe. I, I am free from danger because of who you are. You're a shield around me. But it goes on to say, you are my glory. You know, you are the thing, you are the one, O Lord, who gives me value. You are the one who gives me honour. You are the one who makes me have worth. Uh, You are effectively my crown. Again, how relevant that would have been for David, who effectively at that moment has lost his crown. The physical crown perhaps was, was, you know, even removed and uh, he was no longer honoured as the king. And yet he says, but you, O Lord, you God, you are my crown. You are my glory. You are the one uh, who makes me valuable in your eyes. It's because of you. You're my shield. You're my glory. And he says, you are the lifter of my head. I love that. That's such a wonderful phrase, isn't that? Such an amazing attribute. You lift my head. 
It is you, O oh God, who, who takes me from being downcast and, and, and raises my gaze so that I can see brightness. I can see light instead of darkness. You're the lifter of my head. I've been gazing at the floor. You lift my head to gaze up to you in the sky. Uh, I've been focused on my circumstances, on everything that's pressing in on me. And you have lifted my head to see you, God, to, to point to you. See, just these three things, these three uh, confessions of truths about God, shield, glory, lifter of my head. And David is instruct, he's, he's, he's taken himself in hand and he is declaring these things that he knows to be true about God. He's saying that this is what you do, God. This is what you promise. This is what I read about in the scriptures. Confess truth about God. Psalm 3 gives us this perfect start and so if this is you and if you uh, want to start practicing how to turn your troubles into triumph use these three things um, uh, shield glory lifter of my head use them repeat these confessions you know the, these statements these truths to yourself but don't forget this is not just simply a case of reading it and then shutting the the scripture or the bible whatever it is and then just carrying on and expecting that to do the job it's kind of like yeast in the preparation of bread you, you don't just take the dough when you're making bread and then just sort of sprinkle a bit of yeast on top and then leave it there and hope that the yeast does the trick that's not how it works we know that uh, in order for the yeast to do the work to cause the bread to rise before it is baked you, you put the yeast onto the into the dough but then you knead it in so it doesn't just sit in one clump somewhere you knead it in you work it in so that it's spread evenly through the entire um uh, load of dough and so that's what's going on when we take ourselves in hand and we are confessing these truths about God we're not just sort of sprinkling them in uh, to our minds and leaving them in a clump we're taking them and we're pressing them down and, and working them through into our hearts and so that's what goes on when we take these truths um, that the Bible teaches us about God and we circle them around in our minds and we, you know, it's called meditation. When we, when we, when we choose to sort of gnaw on it, you know, um, chew it over. Uh, that's what goes on when we speak it out in our, in our mouths. Lord, you're my shield. You're my shield. Maybe that's all it is because your troubles are so weighty. It's a case of repeating that to yourself and reminding yourself and allow your mind to develop. What does it mean that God is my shield? You're my shield. Oh God, you protect me. You are around me. You're my shield. You're my shield. Maybe that's what you need to do. But here's the key. Don't wait um, until you feel it before you start confessing truths. What do I mean? What, I mean, don't wait until you feel that God is your shield before you start saying, oh God, I now, now I feel that you're my shield. That's not how it works. Uh, we, we, we present our troubles but then we, we take ourselves in hand as an act of the will. Lord, you're my shield. Lord, you're my shield. You protect me. You guard me. You're around me. You've got me. I'm safe in you. Don't wait till you feel it. But then a surprising thing will start to happen. Um, be just because you don't feel that God is your shield at the start, the more you allow that truth to sink in and work its way through your entire uh, mind and down into your heart, you will start to become surprised um, that your emotions will start responding and you'll start to sense, ah, oh God, yes, yes, you're my, you're my shield. You'll start to feel it. Your heart will start to pump a bit faster when you start to realize that 
right there in that moment, God is being your shield. Wonderful. Confess these truths. Later on in the, the Bible, we learn that all scripture, all of the Bible is breathed out by God, it says. So when we're doing this, when we're trying to take our troubles and turn them to triumph, we can use all of the truth of Scripture, not just these three wonderful things, as wonderful as they are. Start there, but open it up to all of the truths of Scripture as, as, as you go through this process and, and repeat this process. Add the truths of the Bible. Uh, it might be a reading that you've, you've recently done, maybe even something stuck out to you last week um, in your daily Bible reading, if you've been doing that. <clears throat> maybe it's a song that speaks of what God has done and, and the kind of God that he is. And again, that, the, the words of that song will, will point you back to, to God. Maybe it's a truth that you remember from of old. Uh, if, you, if you ever attended Sunday school as a child or brought up in the church, for example, you maybe have remembered a truth or remembered a Bible verse or something you learned as a child. Whatever it is, speak those things out. Uh, confess those things about God. Com you might just have to command yourself to do it. Um, most likely when the troubles are so heavy. It is, as I said, an act of the will. What, what has he done? What kind of God is he? These things. You're my shield. You're my glory. You're my lifter of my head. Oh God, you're faithful. Oh God, you are a loving father. You're a loving father. Oh God, you're the God of miracles. All these truths, all these things that you can start to stir into your heart. Um, practically speaking, this is very, very worthwhile you building a, a kind of repository, you know, a treasure trove of truths um, so that you can open it up at such a time as this. Um, and some people find it helpful to, to have a journal um, to, to, or a diary of some form to write down, you know, memorable Bible verses and, and truths about God that you can then go to when you're going through troubles and draw on those things. Um, maybe for you it's easier to write down some notes on your phone. Again, um, Bible verses that stick out or songs that you love. Um, you can save a playlist, you know, on, on, on whichever way you listen to music, on Spotify or whatever, YouTube. Um, any way just to, to gather, a, a, you know, a, all these treasures together and then you can open them at such a time and just feed, feed on those things, you know, stir them, confess them. If possible, connect those truths to what's going on. Uh, at that present time, if you can. Um, you know, at that time, David needed the shield of God. Um, he needed, uh, he needed the, to know that God was his glory. Um, but either way, the Holy Spirit um, will guide you to the truths that he wants you to know about God. He will help you. So number two, confess truths. Well, the third step in turning our troubles into triumph is experience. And note the order. The order is important. Um, first, we cry out, you know, we present our needs to God. Second, we, we, we take ourselves in hand and confess what we know to ourselves to be true about God. And third, then we start to experience uh, the truth of that. Um, uh, the, the order is important because our emotion often lags behind the truth. Um, note in verse 4, he says, I, David says, I cried out to the Lord, and then he answered me from his holy hill. 
just shows you, by the way, the kind of prayer that David was praying here. Um, as we've been thinking, it wasn't uh, pretty. Uh, he was crying out. He was in agony. Um, and yet, somehow or other, uh, during this process, his troubles started to turn into triumph. He gains this, this assurance. Um, he knows that God has heard him. Somehow or other, he knows. Don't forget, David, um, as he left Jerusalem and went out into the wilderness across the Kidron Valley, and then he, he climbed up the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives gave him a vantage point. He was able to look over uh, at Jerusalem, the city that he has just fled from. And, and at the center point, you can still see it today, at the center point of the city of Jerusalem is a hill. Uh, Jerusalem itself is a, basically a sort of long, flat sort of hill. The center of Jerusalem is the hill. It's known as Mount Zion. Um, it became known subsequently as the Temple Mount. It's where the Temple of God was eventually built by David's other, one of David's other sons called Solomon. And this is the place that David looks at during his agonizing prayer, presenting his troubles to God, the holy hill. It was the place that God had already chosen uh, to have his house. Uh, he'd chosen to put his presence specially among his people. And, and somehow or other, during this prayer and during this meditation and confessing these truths about God, David gets assurance. We don't know whether that was just a, like an inner sense that God has heard me, whether, whether he received a, a word from God, maybe a, a prophetic sort of revelation, a voice perhaps even. But either way, David had this rock solid uh, confidence that God has heard me, that something significant has happened in response to my prayers. There has been some movement on a, on a deep spiritual level in the, in the heavenly places, in the throne room of God. Something has happened. There has been breakthrough in heaven. Maybe, maybe you've experienced that level of assurance that my prayers have indeed been heard and they've been answered. Well, we see David going from confession to experience. And he experiences in the psalm two things. Number one, he experiences peace. We see this in verse 5. He says, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Peace. Just a, a sense of resilience. Um, uh, going to bed knowing that all will be well. I don't know how. I just know that God has heard me. And I know that God is God and the things I've been confessing about him are true. I know that all will be well. And so he, he slept. Peace. It's just amazing, isn't it? Because David began with this overwhelming sense of everything falling in around me. The ceiling is dropping down. But now here we see him at peace. Physical and spiritual attack against him. And now he's able to sleep. You know, when, when, when anyone goes through immense pressure or stress, hardships of any kind, sleep is very, very hard to achieve. No, you know, nourishing, restful sleep is almost impossible. Often, 
when your mind is full of so many worries, whatever they may be, it's the last thing that you're able to do. Many people have to resort to medication in order to help their bodies to, to get some sleep, particularly if you're depressed. Um, sleep is incredibly difficult. Um, it's, it's difficult to get to sleep. It's difficult to have quality sleep. It's difficult to stay asleep. You know, classically waking up early before it's even light outside. Can't get back to sleep. Often our thoughts are, are much louder at nighttime when all else is quiet. All we can hear is our troubles. All we, all we find rummaging around in our minds is our hardships, our stresses, our pressures. It's almost impossible to switch off the brain. But here David experiences peace. And it says, he goes further, he says, I woke again for the Lord sustained me. Don't forget, David's friends, some of his closest allies, became his enemies. And, and how was he to know that those who he left Jerusalem with, even though they were sort of identifying with him at that time, how did David know he wasn't going to get stabbed in his sleep and never wake up? You, O oh Lord, he says, are a shield. You've protected me. I woke up. You sustain, you keep me going, God. He receives peace, he experiences peace. But the second thing he experiences, see in verse 6, is confidence. It is incredible, it's confidence. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all round. Confidence, no fear. I will not be afraid. Because of what you are and who you are, my shield, my, my glory, the lifter of my head, I will not be afraid, even though thousands of people might come against me. Because I find my peace in you, my confidence in you. I have strength from knowing that you've heard me, O oh Lord. I have strength from your presence with me. It's important to note that, that David's problems have certainly not gone away magically, in answer to his prayers. Not at all. But the thing that has changed here is his perspective, um, his renewed vision of, of God and the most fundamental things in life. And, and we can see how he has worked those truths into his soul. And it has produced this experience of peace and confidence. He climbed the hill, agonizing over Jerusalem, and yet he slept and received great confidence in the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? Of course, it, it, takes, it takes faith for this to happen. Faith that what you're actually confessing about God is real. That God actually can hear and will hear and, and will do something. It takes faith. It takes trust in the promises of God. It, it is part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit to take these, these truths, almost these external facts, the propositions about God and bring them home to you, to make them real to you, uh, so that you feel them and experience them. That, that's what one of the things the Holy Spirit does. And yet the means that he uses, the, the, the tools that the Holy Spirit uses, is, 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 is confession. It is, it is meditation. It is the truths of God's word. And, and you feeding on them, the Holy Spirit will, will work that into your, into your soul. You will know that... that this experience doesn't just come from yourself or from wishful thinking. It comes from, from God. It's, it's, it's a sign of his spirit at work 
in you. It's, it's the experience is of God coming to you. The fourth and final step then in turning your trials into triumph is empower. Empower. We've just been seeing how it, we, we start to experience uh, God coming to us. And experience is not just about getting things from God. Uh, it's about God coming to you himself in his spirit. God himself at work in you. And when that happens, uh, the result is it will empower you um, in your handling of your trials. It will empower you. It will infuse you with a renewed hope. And a, and, a, and a galvanized faith. You, you will find yourself eventually invigorated, revived. Look, look down at verse 7 and just note the boldness uh, with which David starts to pray. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Renewed confidence in God. No longer is he... Uh, pouring out his own agonies of heart, although he's spent lots of time doing that. That's where he began. But now his faith is rising. He is filled with boldness. He says, arise, save me. He's using warrior language here. He's addressing God as a warrior. And he's saying to God, arise from your place. Uh, equip yourself with your armor and go into battle. Go and make war on my enemies, O Lord. Unsheath your sword. Command your armies. Give the word. Come in power. Come in victory. Strike down my enemies. Isn't that a prayer of confidence? You know, he is now a man empowered to pray big prayers, to ask great things of God because he's experienced God and now he's empowered. This is what I want you to do, God. He says, I want you to strike all my enemies on their cheek and break their teeth. You know, in ancient Near East culture, uh, striking someone on the face, slapping on the cheek um, is, is a sign of gross humiliation. Slapping them around the face. We even see that today. That's a slap in the face. Gross humiliation. And, and, and breaking their teeth is a way of, you know, is, again, is another phrase used to, to essentially say, render my enemies toothless, powerless. Humiliate them. Rob them of their power. Bring your justice, O God. This is what you do. You will overcome, O God. Great confidence, great prayer, asking for big things from God, renewed faith. And then he finishes with this great word of worship and praise. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Here is, here is David, now filled with faith, declaring, worshipping. What a, what a massive contrast from where he began in verse 1. And so we ourselves, as we read this, we can use this pattern uh, to help us process our trials and, and, and anticipate triumph because of God. Go through these four steps. Present, confess, experience, and then empower. But what I want to end on is, is this thought. How, how do we know, as we sit here today, how do we know that this can work for us? It worked for David, and we see that very clearly. It's amazing. It's very inspiring. But how can we know this will work for us? Well, here's how. Um, David, King David, 
Here he is pouring his heart out to God in agony on the Mount of Olives. And there he is stood there looking over at Jerusalem, the city that rejected him and his kingship. And he wept and he cried out to God. And one of David's later ancestors, his great, 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 on, 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 grandson, a son of David himself, climbed the Mount of Olives many, many years later. His name was Jesus. And there he was overlooking the great city, this time with a temple built. And there he is pouring out his heart to God. He's in agony of soul, weeping over the city that rejected his kingship, weeping over the people of that city who turned away from God. And Jesus prayed, if it were possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But he goes on, but not my will, God, but yours be done. How do you know for sure that your foes will be defeated? How do you know for sure that the truths about God that you confess will actually apply to you? How can you expect this stuff that we've been talking about to really strengthen you? Because David's son, Jesus, went to the cross to defeat your enemies. All of them. When he died on the cross and he arose on the third day into complete victory. That's how you know because your king did it for you. So therefore you and I as we read Psalm 3 we can hope and plan and expect to experience the salvation that Psalm 3 talks about because we know that through Jesus, great David's greater son, we know that through Jesus there is no ultimate enemy that will ever get the victory over us. No matter how bad and depressing our current circumstances are, no enemy shall prevail against us because of Jesus. And when we, when we look at Jesus, the son of David, and we see what God the Father does to save us, save his people, to save you, what he does to come to you, to bring you salvation, then it will empower you. It will fill you with faith. It will lift up your head. It will be to you a shield. You will know that God has not abandoned you, that he has decisively brought victory against all of your enemies. Everything that will form itself against you will not survive because Jesus is victorious. You'll be empowered. Ask great things. Expect great things. Amen.